Hello, and welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. You would usually be listening to my glamorous cerulean-haired co-host Rowan Ellis talk to a guest about the films and media which made them queer, but today I, Jazza John, am bravely stepping in. The UK and various other realms across the world recently lost a queen. And while we try and find her again, we thought we'd bring you two other English queens as guests. Lovely. So I would like to welcome to the podcast the delectable drag duo Nova and Olympia. Hello, girls. Oh, yes. you are insufferable. Hello, yes. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to do like a full-on in-memoriam moment, and I was like, we were not briefed for this. <laughs> 100, but actually we are going to just do an hour's silence in oh, respect of God. Queen Elizabeth for, for that. that. Okay. And that's why I wouldn't have you on for anything else. That's why we were asked as a guest, isn't it? For the God, exactly. So rude. What? Can I just tell you, if I wanted people to be quiet, it would not be the two of you who are invited onto the podcast. Let's be fair. Um, would you like to introduce yourselves, Limp? Tell us about... Uh, what, what's your name? Where'd you come from? I hardly think there's a need for an introduction, but <laughs> since you've asked... Well, yes. We're Nova mm. and Olympia. We are YouTube... What? Morons. <laughs> I feel like we, that's how we've described ourselves before. We are a pair of British drag queens. We have a YouTube channel. We create content together. We are also a real life couple. So mm-hmm. we have been together for a very long time. And that dynamic adds a very interesting little bit of spice to our, our content. Don't tell people that. I could have been in with a chance. <laughs> yes. With with who? I like in particular? say that we are the first ladies of the internet. It's a nice way of putting it. Do you? And yeah. does anybody agree? Well, no, happens? but that's beside the point. I don't know if I <laughs> agree. Yes, we are. I have to think I was consulted on that. I think you're you're two of the ladies of the internet. No, that's just... That's and so then demeaning. ladies even in quotes, really. <laughs> don't be so rude. <laughs> yeah. No, God, this is so rude. I'm going to leave before we even started. <laughs> um, it's okay. We have a precedent for general reading with one another and banter on, on the Queer Movie Podcast with me and Rowan anyway, so I'm happy to be continuing that tradition with you two. I have asked you today to bring three pieces of media, not just movies, because... Now that I'm taking over, I kind of wanted an opportunity to expand the scope a little bit. I didn't consult Rowan, but she can deal with it. What are you feeling? What are your general kind of like sentiments about what you're bringing? Do you think there'll be anything controversial, anything that's going to particularly be sentimental for you? What what have you got just overall? I'd like to, first of all, just say that I, I understand the name of the podcast is Queer Movie. I've only brought one movie with me, so I'm glad that we're expanding our horizons ever so slightly to encompass other things. I can't imagine mine will be controversial. I think they're quite sweet and lovely. I think I can probably say with authority, though, that Nova's will be embarrassing and or very, very dull. I have a movie and two um, serieses, but I was trying to consider, because obviously the, the, the name of the game is What Made Us Queer. So there's a lot of things that I enjoyed watching as a young queer person, knowing and understanding my identity. But I was trying to think back to things that as an adult perhaps were more formative than I realised before mm, I understood my identity. That's where I went. Um, so much, much younger. And that was quite an interesting challenge. There was one I immediately thought of, but the the other two I had to consider. And then I thought, ah, yes. I guess th- that would be a running theme now. A lot of your guests must be, or must come from a place of like, when they were children and they didn't quite realise at the time what was happening. 100%. That's 100%. I mean, the amount of people that have... Is that... The amount of people that brought Disney, which to be fair is not to be surprised That's when Rowan brings enough. her friends on. Uh, how much Disney is present in your list? Nova. 
yeah. one. And it's not okay. a direct Disney. It's a Disney production, but it's not exactly what you might think. Okay. Well, Is it Fantasia? No. No, <laughs> okay. It's actually the big black bat at the end of Fantasia. That's what made me quit. The big black bat. Yeah. I'm the gargoyle. To, I'm going along with this. Yes. Like I can remember. I don't the remember Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had, I had Fantasia name? on VHS. He has a name. I don't know. Steve. I don't think that's correct, Jazza. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I think it's something very grandiose. Mm-hmm. Beelzebub? I don't know. Something, something along those like lines. That, but yeah. but the, the only important thing is um, he had really great abs. And, it uh, was quite ripped. Excellent yeah. bone structure on that bat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember there being a bat. It's fantastic with Mickey and, and he's conducting. Yeah, the, with the the mop. Oh yeah, I think we watched that it's one. It's a time. series of vignettes linked together by like with an orchestral me, score. Yeah, no, we yeah we saw that. Oh. A vignette, Nova. We're not in Europe anymore. You don't have to say that shit. It's too early for a vignette. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely two o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, I would like us to dive straight in. Mm. Olympia, how about you go first? What's your first piece of media? I'm honoured that you chose me first. Um, it makes more sense, though, because she's going to go on and on and on. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, okay, so my first one, then, so it's it's quite broad. It's not necessarily like a specific show or movie or something, but it's, it's WWE, but it's... <laughs> it's more specifically when it was WWF and even more specific to that was the Attitude Era of WWF so we're talking late 90s Uh early noughties and I'm I'm, I'm assuming at this point that neither of you have got anything to add to this conversation I had friends during this era that were really into it so I was aware of like merchandise and things of that such when it was around and, and especially the attitude you know there were action figures i remember the like smackdown playstation games playing those yes so i was aware of it being a thing it wasn't something i ever consumed myself well i can't imagine you you would have had friends so your story is not checking first of all right i think of wwe or wwf as it was back when they actually used to kind of like save the the, the planet as well as do wrestling <laughs> yes well naturally it is uh, muscly men and a shitload of camp. And actually, it makes perfect sense that that is a combo of a bit of a queer awakening. So I think I can understand that. It's, it's muscled men in dance costumes doing choreography. Yes. And they each have their own little And the storylines were so, so popra. Mm. So basically, on the surface, yes, I feel like the fact that they were super, super muscular men you know, very kind of superficially is an obvious one. Like I was, just just to name a few, I had a huge crush on Edge, on Test, Triple H, uh, Matt Hardy. There was a whole bunch of them. But the kind of like sweep thing about WWF specifically during this era was my favourite wrestler was a lady called China. Oh. And she's no longer with us now. She had a very sad, she had a very, very sad life. But it dawned on me much later on what it was about her that I was so obsessed with, I used to make sure I would always, if I was, if we were playing the games, I would, I would always play as China. If the, if we were watching like Raw or whatever it was, mm-hmm. I would always make sure I, I caught the matches that she was in because I was obsessed with her. She was my favourite. Don't say Raw. Don't. It's too early for vignette. <laughs> I feel like what it was about China, and I, I, someone asked me this. I did a podcast about her, and, and people were asking, "Was like, well, what, what actually was it?" And I kind of sat and thought about it, and I feel like what China represented was for a very, very muscular lady, 
she was always considered too masculine to wrestle the women, mm-hmm. but she was always considered too feminine to wrestle with the men. I mean, she did wrestle with the men, and mm. she was the only w- w- woman to win the Intercontinental title. She was the first woman in the Royal Rumble match, so she did kind of break these gender kind of barriers. Her character, I mean, she it was a character, but it was her as a person as well. I resonated with the idea that, like, because at the time I would have been on the playground in primary school. It was I was super young and I was always too feminine to play with the boys. But I was a boy and so the girls were like, oh, why aren't you playing football? Leave us alone kind of thing. So I always I can't kind of, imagine you playing netball. I'll be completely do you, do you see what I mean? So I sort of sat mm. there being this kind of like weirdo that didn't fit in either camp. So to see her being celebrated for doing that, for kind of doing her own thing mm. and not kind of conforming to either side, but kind of pushing forward and doing whatever she wanted. She was like my hero. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she allowed me to kind of do my own thing in a way. Mm. So I I just loved her. She had a really sad story in the end because they kind of let her go and she was never able to sort of recapture the magic. And then, you know, she did a few sex tapes here and there. Which I was going to, I was going to bring up the sex tapes. I think she sort um, of regretted, but you know, she was trying to recapture that, that sort of that success and trying to, you know, keep her name out there. But, I also imagine it would be a money thing because I can't imagine she was getting paid very well compared to the male performers in the first place. And if they were starting to let her go, I mean... Well, rumour has it that that's why they let her go because she demanded more money than they were willing to give her. But there's there's been a long-standing rumour that it's because she was dating Triple H whom cheated on her with the the daughter of the the owner of the company. Uh, And so... And they're now married, Stephanie McMahon. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the the long-standing rumour is they didn't want her around, so they just kind of, like, kicked her to the curb. But, yes, I mean, that was where I was coming from early on. And, of course, you know, we all replicated wrestling at home. They said, don't do it. There's a big card that comes up. Don't attempt this at home. God, I mean, the, I was winded left, right and centre. <laughs> it was dreadful. But, yes, that would, that would be my first one. So do you think her being such a big inspiration to you was china in any way an inspiration to the creation of olympia at all well here's the thing i have wanted to do like a china look for so long but i don't have a single ounce of muscle so that would probably be <laughs> yeah. that would probably be tricky mm-hmm. yes i don't yeah it's something about just like being really strong and i think it's because as well i'm so like tall and broad and stuff i don't know she may she may have been there bubbling under but I don't mm-hmm. think this, I really thought about this too much until, because I haven't watched wrestling really since she departed. So mm. I hadn't thought about it in a, in a long time. So whether she was just kind of always there in my subconscious, maybe possibly, but not in any kind of thoughtful way, I don't think. It was mm-hmm. more just sort of that she spoke to my, like giving me a certain level of confidence being sort of a bit, you know, just not regular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the ordinary. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think she's, she gave me some sort of confidence to be a little, play around with gender a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like not really care. Did you ever watch any WWE Nova? Absolutely not, no. No, of course she was. <laughs> but like I said, the, my, my only memory of wrestling as a kid was um, going over at a friend's house and playing um, Smackdown on PlayStation. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was the, because you got to, did you get to create your own character? That was the most fun because it was Mm. before game developers realised that, of course, if you give a character creation with sliders, people are going to create monsters. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is what we always used to do, like just blue giant fat people with tiny little pinheads or like <laughs> just, just something totally ridiculous. But Wonderful, also, which like, actually inspired your drag, right? <laughs> oh my God. But they also had like whatever roster was around at the time of release so you could see like whoever was on the cast at the it time. It would have been far too edgy for you. You were all fair fairies and rainbows and mm-hmm. cake cake cherry pie. It took me a very long time to give a shit about um live action stuff as well. I don't are we allowed to swear? Yes of course you can please oh do. Oh my god I can't believe you've just that's that's a bit naughty it's isn't it? It's only the S word. That's very mild. Oh it's only the internet no one's listening. <laughs> Can you disprove that, Nova? What's, do you have anything that's not cutesy? Maybe anything a bit edgy on your list? I, don't, I think edgy is pushing <laughs> Yeah, but bearing in mind, it goes back to the idea that we, this is stuff that was formative when we were kids. So if she's not that edgy now, she certainly wouldn't have been then. I mean, should, should I start with the edgiest one? Oh, go on. I this, think so. Go this on. This ought to be good. Oh, this <laughs> ought to be good. I say edgiest. It's the most mature one. My um, Little Pony. No, I was going to mean to say Charmed. Oh, yes. Okay. Great choice. Yes. Great choice. Which era of Chums? Which which trio? The initial trio with Shannon Doherty or the last one? No, that was a little bit. I have since watched that, but that was a little bit before when I started watching. So I started watching after Mm -hmm. Rose McGowan had joined. Got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, I would say I'm much more of a Buffy fan. I think there's a lot of overlap in the fandoms. I think they're Mm. very similar genres. I think Charmed was able to have a slightly earlier time slot because it wasn't quite as dark or quite as explicit. Not that Buffy was that bad, but it was darker. There was lots of stabby stabby. And and Buffy, I think, was like objectively scarier. Yes. I feel yes. with like all of the transformations, the, the villains were like possibly that. so good. Yeah. Because of that, I personally was introduced to Charmed a lot sooner than Buffy, even though mm-hmm. they they had like years of overlap when they were airing. And I just remember. It used to have, I don't, it, it was played on living TV in like an afternoon slot. And then they would have the the reruns like in the weekday. So I could come home after school and watch like a double bill rerun. And then they would have like the new episode for whatever season was out was weekly. I can't remember what day it was, but even then it wasn't too late. It was like tea time. So mm-hmm. I used to watch this with my mother and she got really into it as well. She used to fawn over, um, Cole, who was... Oh, my God. Who didn't? Talk about an awakening. Cole was... He could have slayed my demon any day. I Talk always really about liked, an awakening. <laughs> I always really liked Leo. Oh, you... Well, no, that is more kind he of was, like... He's yeah. softy, lovely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I was very into magic and fantasy and... Did you ever create your own book of shadows? No, but funnily enough, my best friend at the time did... Mm-hmm. I had my own book of shadows. I think a lot of people, a lot of people did. Oh, you know what I did do? I made a book of shadows in The Sims. Oh my god! I was very of about course. making custom content in The Sims, That's so I really made a book of shadows in The Sims. But no, was... I'm I'm sorry, Limp. You're you're not going to win with any negging here. That, I... This is a top top tier choice. Are the si- The Sims must be. Although, mind you, this is movies, isn't it? I was going to say The Sims must come up a lot in this. I do. I do have a theory that if you didn't used to make your whole like town or village in The Sims and then make everybody gay, then are you really queer? Yeah, like, that's that must a, have been a, a really. Thing common theme 100%. but just like you know that i used to watch with my nan i remember i didn't have living tv we weren't we weren't that privileged growing up so what, um, would, what would it have been on watched then? it on channel it was on channel five it was on channel five it was on channel five yeah, and i remember watching it in the shannon doherty days mm-hmm. and i always 
I've grown to love Rose McGowan since, but I always used to think she was a bit shit. And I always wanted them to like bring back. I was really pissed off when it was the end and they were kind of like saying goodbye to all of the characters. And yeah. um, Prue didn't turn up. Yeah. I, like I was always. I really didn't like it after kind of Prue left. My favorite, and I don't know why, because she really is the trickiest person. I think because she has some of the more em- emotionally deep storylines was Piper. Mm-hmm. And she, she is, is the best the, character. She is the most miserable one on the surface but she, I think she does have the most depth as a character she's the most complica- complicated one um especially st- after losing her sister Prue when she comes forward as being like the head of the family fascinating There's a lot story of responsibility arc, yeah. that is put on her shoulders but I just I, I enjoyed the the series because there was a certain formula for most of it where it was like, oh, who's going to be the big bad of this episode? Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's an evil mermaid or it's a troll that appears out of a tornado and mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. Or it's your dead fiancé who's come back for the seventh time. Yes, you know? but mm-hmm. there was also like a storyline that linked through and it was very, very feminist at the time. I'm not, mm-hmm. I haven't watched it recently, so I, I don't know how it kind of stands up now. But at the time, it was quite groundbreaking. And I think there's a lot to be said for the failure of the reboot because it just failed to capture the same magic. They they thought they oh, could... Magic? No pun intended. Pun intended. But I think it was quite <laughs> naive of them to think that they could just bank on the name and the brand and not mm-hmm. have any of the original people, any of the original team involved that made it so special... There was something about, and I'm, and I haven't really gone back and watched it either, so I don't know how much of it stands up to our modern day kind of like needs expectations of what kind of like progressive feminist media looks mm. like. But uh, I remember back then in like, and it was the late nineties, early noughties. It's pro- it was probably a bit shit, but I remember so many women first and strong women kind of like kicking ass pieces of media and TV. I think stuff like Buffy, Xena, Warrior Princess. Oh, yeah, it's very um, Even stuff like The Tribe, where kind of like there were badass women going around kind of like leading post-apocalyptic societies and stuff like that. There was loads of that kind of stuff that I also, as like a young queer kid, really connected with. I've had conversations with a friend of mine and we were like going through, he grew up in Spain, but we had still watched all of the same media. Mm. And we were like, why did we just gravitate towards this? And I think that there was something wonderful about like the badass woman, like women like fucking shit up and doing stuff outside of their gender roles. Maybe similar to what like China was like. That's what it is. It's it's women tearing down or subverting, you know, their place, which you could only dream of doing at school or something is tearing down the big bad bully but then if you see some you know Buffy or whatever coming in and doing mm-hmm. it then it sort of like sings it like makes your heart sing doesn't it as a little queer yeah. femme identity being yes. strong. yes that's what it's I was going to showing say strength it's the idea of being a superhero being strong in charge but still having femininity that's what it is you I think we've cracked the code Superman or Batman we've figured or... it out who do we call we've figured it out <laughs> <laughs> I think now one of us goes away and does a PhD and writes a really long thesis about it. The biggest question of all, though, is 
Did you actually get Channel 5 or did you have to use a coat hanger on the back of your television? <laughs> no, we, we actually did have... I grew up in the in the east of England, so we had quite good reception, I think, compared to Channel like 5 was hit or miss. It was really? sketchy. Yeah, there was some shit going on on the back of that telly that probably would not be up to scratch for standards for mm-hmm. electrical codes. I also really enjoyed <laughs> just, just thinking now because we watched Scream last night, didn't we? Which had Rose yeah. McGowan in it. Yeah. Oh my and gosh, when she yeah. was introduced, I also really liked her. I remember that people weren't too keen on her at first. I did not know who she was. My first um, exposure to her was through Charm. Yes, and so for me, me I still think about her as the girl who was in Charm who took over from Prue. She changed her hairstyle so often, her hair colour mm-hmm. so often. She Her wardrobe is always fun because she was the young Youngest one. So for me, as like, I don't know how old I would have been, like a very like early, early teens. That was also mm-hmm. really cool to see because the other two were kind of, to me, grown ups. But she was like a little bit more approachable and she mm-hmm. was like cool. And she was at high she school. She was still in and, school yes, for like her first yeah. couple of uh, seasons as well. So it was like seeing her. So when uh, you were trotting around as little queer and you were thinking about... Um, trotting uh, around as little queer? What the hell is that? Mincing about. Mincing about. Yes. Whose power did you pretend you had? Pipers. Pipers. Uh, freezing time and explosion. Yeah, and then... Yeah, I'm doing the hand motions. People can't see, but yeah, like a little flick of the wrist. But that's what I did. But as having Bernard's watch, I I, I hope you realise that it it was pretend. It didn't actually work. I know, but didn't you dream of finding Bernard's watch or the Queen's nose? I can't remember what the Queen's nose did. The Queen's nose was just a wish, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Mm. Well, that's probably better than Mm. Bernard's watch then, because you can use it for anything. So, for all of the Americans listening, um, Bernard's watch was a watch that could stop time. Right, it's it was a, a kids' TV show. He BBC just found it on the side of the street. I mean, you, he probably should have turned it in. It's probably not a great message for kids if you find something, just keep it. Mm-hmm. No, I became a kleptomaniac just because of my exposure to. Because you media. would think that something's going to stop time. Mm, yeah, of course. We would all we all wanted it, and then you'd go into like a changing room with it. Mm-hmm. Turns out, all you need to do is travel at the speed of light, and then time does stop. There you go. That's it's a less interesting program. Yeah. It's less interesting. Yeah. Um, and the Queen's nose was a fifty pence piece. Yes. Uh, that you rubbed, and I think you got a wish. A wish. Every time I you believe. But the theme it. was oh, all haunting. I from that was the opening title. The music the kaleidoscope effects. Yeah. The music was that. haunting. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that it, that kaleidoscope intro inspired many an early YouTube video intro. I think there you go. Mm. You see, well, I feel see. like if it was you like can trace the line, if it was like powers and stuff that you wanted to emulate, for me it was just Sabrina. I'd walk around pointing at stuff. <laughs> I used to go up to the automatic doors at the Westcroft Leisure Centre and I'd point at them and then they'd open and that's I felt very, that's lifted straight from Bewitched though because she used to do that little wiggle of the yes. nose. She just pointed yes. with a and gesture. Oh, I used to, well, I'll be honest, I still do. In the shower, you know when you like raise your arm a certain amount and the water will run off your the bottom of your hand so it's like your water bending well that's so sad <laughs> don't admit that onto a podcast you still do that i still sometimes do that you are 40 fun. years old you should probably grow up <laughs> so rude but it is nothing it's, wrong with being 40 actually i'm closer to 40 than i am 20 don't be ageist well i guess myself is totally fine Hello everybody, it's just me, Jazza again, here for the ad read this week. 
Squarespace is an all-in-one platform where you can build a brand and set up a business with your very own website, and they are supporting us here at the Queer Movie Podcast. Thank you. Even if you aren't that good at computer things, Squarespace is a great tool to be able to help you build a window into your business project or internet community. Both of your favourite queer internet parents, myself, Jazza John, and my busy lesbian co-host, Rowan Ellis, love the fact that you can use Squarespace to not just build a fancy website, but also connect all your social media in one place, dive deep into your site's analytics. Mmm, tasty. And you can also use it as a way to run email campaigns because algorithms are fickle things and the best way of being able to bypass that is getting straight into the inboxes of the people that want to consume your shit. If this sounds good, you can take advantage of an exclusive promotional offer being made available on the Queen Movie Podcast and help support us at the same time. Just go to squarespace.com slash queer movie. That's squarespace.com slash queer movie. And when you're all set up to make your digital business dreams come true, you can use the offer code queer movie, all one word, to save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. Help us out and make some genuinely useful, cool stuff. It is possible. So if you want to do that and uh, make your digital group jump through, uh, then uh, go to squarespace.com slash queer movie. We are, I'm sure as you know, dear listener, a part of multitude and we have so many great sibling podcasts that we want to be able to tell you about and one of them is the newest olympian is percy jackson the ya series we should have been reading all along join mike schubert a first time percy jackson and the olympians reader on his quest to find out in the newest olympian each week, Mike chats with a longtime Percy Jackson fan to cover a portion of the series. They'll recap the plot beat by beat, dive into the Greek mythology of the series, and sing the praises of Percy's incredible snark. Are you a Percy Jackson superfan? Well, then come venture down memory lane and laugh at Mike failing to predict what happens next. Have you never read the series and are looking for an excuse to do so? Then you can read along with the podcast like a digital book club, which actually I think is a really, really good idea. New episodes come out every Monday. Just search for The Newest Olympian in your podcast app or go to thenewestolympian.com. Have fun listening. And now, back to our show. Anything else? What's your next thing, Olympia? You you can go next. My my next thing I feel like has to have been brought up. There is no way in hell, in hell, this I'll be the first person to bring this up. I feel like because it really well, if it's a movie maybe it's a movie no, okay, I was going to say mm-hmm. it's a movie this is the first time we've opened it up really, well really... Some, sometimes it's characters and people have bought oh, okay. non-movie things before yeah but this one appeals to all sectors on those sectors all queer sectors I think this has something for everyone uh, The Mummy Returns oh yeah oh so interesting I don't think we have had it yet are you joking well but you must so. have had The Mummy Come no, I don't think on. we have. Brent, have you... Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Mm, yeah, I mean, um, queer icons, I You're agree. You're already there. But The Mummy Returns specifically, well, okay, The Rock is in there. And as has and been he's like an animatronic, he's an animatronic scorpion or something. He's like a scorpion. A CGI scorpion. Animatronic. Sorry. Use your words. He's the <laughs> scorpion king. Yes, there is some very, very questionable CGI, but at the time, nobody really knew what was going on. But 
Brent, again, because of the the superficial aspect of, I mean, Brendan Fraser, open your eyes, beautiful. Open your eyes, Mm -hmm. Rachel Weisz. Also excellent, stunning. The Rock, mm-hmm. Arnold Vosler as well. Speaking of um, empowered women, she does like a a psy fight scene, right? With like the triple dagger thing. It's like the opening scene or something, isn't it? Of of who? Mommy Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice like fights Cleopatra or something. Okay, first of all, you'll stop embarrassing yourself immediately. Fighting Cleopatra, she fights <laughs> Nefertiri, who turns sure, out to be her sister. Go. Thank you so much. Is, she, I haven't watched it in a while. Rachel Weisz plays the reincarnated uh, ancient Egyptian. She's the daughter of the of the high priest. Of course, I did know that. Um, of mm. the pharaoh, and she's Nefertiri, and she fights Anux and a moon. Bless you. So, <laughs> the thing I think about these movies that I really kind of got to me was the villains. So I was always super, mm. super into a villain, and. Arnold Vosloo plays Imhotep, so I think he's actually very, very easy on the eyes. But there yeah. was something about Anux and a Moon that made me want to paint myself gold <laughs> and walk around in a palace all pissy with like a with like a share seventies bang. I just really <laughs> wanted to do that. And the thing I love so much about her is, and it's not good at all. It's not something that should be imparted on a young, impressionable person at all. But the whole point of Imhotep and Anux and Amun have this, they're supposed to be soulmates. They have this love that has spanned millennia to the point that any time mm-hmm. they get a chance to come back together. And then right at the end, she just bins it's him off. so good, isn't it? She just bins him off it's because she, so he's hanging he's on. so shocked. He's hanging on and he's about to fall into the underworld. And he's crying out for her. And Rachel Weisz goes and helps Brendan Fraser because obviously their love is like real. Mm-hmm, and Nuxa Moon's mm-hmm. like, fuck this, I am out of here. And she just leaves him. And the look on his face is heartbroken. But I thought she was so badass that she <laughs> literally was just like seeking like power. That's all she wanted was she was mm, just like, she wanted. She was such a true villain. She betrayed. She even betrayed. Yeah, my God. Villain. I thought she was so powerful. And this is just not a good thing for anyone to aspire to be a Nux and a Moon. I mean, she was horrible, but. Mm-hmm. I really liked, I wanted to paint myself gold and swan around. I just thought that was so But there's count. something more broadly about like, uh, like uh, I think gay guys, but also I hear it from people who do drag a lot, the inspiration of the villain. Like that well, almost fabulous costumes are usually right. More like the Cruella de Vil's Ursula was meant yes. to have been designed and based on divine. I'm yeah. sure you would have things. spoken about this on these yes. on this podcast yeah. before, but like so many villains from the 90s and the noughties and kids media were so obviously queer coded, and yeah. I mean that could be interpreted one way or another, possibly mm-hmm. a little bit queer phobic if we're actually. Mm-hmm. The, the real idea behind it, but yes. I feel like it backfired. Well, like it's because queer queer people icons. weren't allowed to be portrayed in positive ways. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when you had a queer-coded person, it always ended up... It was a self-imposed kind of, like, rule in Hollywood, but they ended up... I mean, what a character to have somebody, like, with the campness of Scar or somebody like... Like, you couldn't have actually had Ursula as a proper drag queen. But mm. to pull that inspiration from the queer world and the queer kind of like culture at the time and then to put it in there you i feel like you need queerness somewhere in like entertainment 
because so much of the things that are celebrated in queer culture are lend themselves so well to that kind of like sphere of creativity but you weren't able to show it positively so they all ended they up in the villains bracket yes, it's yes. my theory anyway or, or, or this, this cynic would say that it was just a way of telling kids to avoid anyone who's a bit limp in the wrist and wears fancy clothing well depending mm. on what the movie was as well you could look at it as you know in order to make someone less a villain less scary make it like a woman or if it was a guy make him kind of very flamboyant so it's not quite as sinister is like the opposite argument for that. I mean, I'm sure there was only a tiny bit of that because, like you said, they were try- <laughs> trying to make possibly. Them I mean, that's a very but... cynical take, but I mean, it, no, I mean, there will the 90s, be there will be a lot be... to be said for that. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just think I don't know the mum the mummy and the mummy returns. There's just something so. There's a reason that that new mummy Tom Cruise disaster was so flat. I was going to ask you about it. What were, what did you think? Any level of camp. It was so serious. It took itself so seriously. It was it was there was no color to it. There was no kind of element of fun. There was nothing there which spoke to kind of like old school high flying kind of adventure movies. But don't you think that's so many of the things that have been that were originally in the late nineties and early naughty or like all of the nineties really, that were kind of like big camp romps and really cemented my idea of like what that kind of over the top superhero y yes. media was meant to be like. Things like the George Clooney Batman movies that mm. were just kind of like absolute high camp and you see what where Batman is as a movie franchise now, it takes itself stupidly seriously. Like the funniest thing in the last Batman movie was the fact that he stalled the Batmobile. And that was the only thing that was va- vaguely made you smile. Everything else was just miserable. I feel like there's a sense of in today's cinema of first of all chasing awards sure so people have an idea of what awards they want to go after before they even start shooting and storyboarding and like oh this is going to be an oscar worthy film let's go for that they want they're trying to chase a viral moment Mm -hmm. as well they want things that are going to look good in a 30 second trailer so first of all you get the ad revenue from the trailer on youtube which Mm -hmm. can be a substantial amount of it's like millions and millions and the actual film itself comes second because as so long as you can get a whole load of buzz around it, people are talking about it. You get ads everywhere. That's mm-hmm. that's still a source of income. I just feel like it, it. Everybody who's like signing stuff off just takes themselves so seriously. I think that we've seen a little bit of a change from that in especially the Marvel universe, the MCU for movies like yes. um, Guardians of the Galaxies is yes. like really funny. Very like Even really that's well controversial written. though. People mm-hmm. hated the latest Thor film because it was. Like, like just such a tone shift and well it, do- well, it wasn't very good i don't think the last thor film was very good I'm yet uh, to ragnarok see it. ragnarok was was phenomenal and like got it taika watiti fantastic but then this new one they tried to the problem is Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman don't have any chemistry and I don't oh, believe that really? they love each other. Yeah. I, am, I am yet to see it, but Poor from the discourse I've seen, Poor people Nat. are poking at I wonder the, if the, there's... the light tone and the humour. I wonder if there's something to be said for the fact that as as cinema progresses, consider the, like we, what we said, the CGI in The Mummy Returns is so abysmal, mm. it's got to a point where people would not accept that anymore. So as everything gets well, more and more... I feel like more, people didn't accept it at the time. They do. We were, we, <laughs> yeah, we were post-Jurassic not. Park. Probably not. But as things, as the visuals, as CGI, as all of that progresses to the point where it is now difficult to discern what is real and what isn't, maybe people expect too much realism. So all of the camp and all of the sort of stuff that people would have really gone to see 
nowadays they just uh, I don't know people feel like everything has to be a little bit more mm. natural or something so that that kind of the fun is is lost a little bit people say that X-Men ruined the comic book aesthetic of the reimagining of the comic book era. Okay. So you think of like what the X-Men looked like in the panels of the of the comics yeah. and in the cartoons Wolverine in the 90s. Wolverine bright yellow black Yeah, right, suits. and his ridiculous hair. And then they put them all in fucking leather yes. biker things in the X-Men movies. This is something that they're trying to address now in the MCU. I think at mm. the beginning the infancy of the MCU, it was pretty much like that, but it was getting a little bit more comic influenced. And now all of the new characters are pretty comic accurate costumes. Mm-hmm. Like then, like the She-Hulk is basically lifted straight off the pages. So is mm-hmm. Moon Knight. Like they're, they're all pretty. Daredevils had a redesign to be mm-hmm. more like the comic. Ms. Book, Marvel so. as well is yes. like almost exactly. The so same. I really, I really appreciate that because that's what the fans want. Mm-hmm. What do so you we- want? What do you, what do you want as a fan? What do you want from well, me? Well, I think my next one is is a good little segue because we're talking about mm-hmm. superheroes. We're talking about kind of like comic books. Oh, so would it be good? My next one is Sailor Moon. Oh, of course. Uh, hey. Of course. Um, I'm of course there is that explains everything. I would have been really disappointed if we didn't have a magical girl fantasy from you. Yes. Um, why Sailor Moon? So I watched Sailor Moon as a child, not realising it was a girl show, not realising it was so camp, not realising the dub was so horrendous. I was just so in awe of the visuals. And to me, these girls, this, these, this, the team of Sailor Scouts, they each had their own stories, they each had their own powers. I was obsessed with seeing... I mean. I will say a good 40% of each episode is recycled footage of the moves and the transformations. And they actually mm-hmm. said that was such a cost-saving way to just pad out these episodes. They used to do the same stuff with Digimon as well. These like all of the evolutions. Yeah, nobody things. knows. No one would notice. Exactly. Disney does the same thing between different but movies. It was just this... These beautifully drawn characters, these massive anime eyes. Well, Again, I don't think drawn. I'd really considered the idea that this was anime. I just knew this looks like Pokemon and I like Pokemon. Mm. Um, and just fighting these monsters similarly to Charmed. I thought the music was really fun. And it was it was mainly the transformation sequences and the the like action move sequences. It was just so glitzy and sparkly and just so pretty and I used to prance around and emulate the like the the spinning around and everything. Mm. Oh, it was just it was that, that was has, very very formative has, I that, think. Well, that has to be a, a an element that would one day inform your drag. It has to be. It must do. I mean, you you look at your, you look at your drag and it's, I mean, it's very anime, like East Asian influenced. You look at the drawing and you look at Nova and you just think they're both equally dreadful. It makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. But it's interesting revisiting. I feel like a lot of us as as queer people, when we head towards our thirties, start to revisit things that we enjoyed as children Mm -hmm. What's that. it like heading towards your thirties? I I have no idea. I mean, I, I I turn thirty tomorrow, so. Oh, it's happening! I can't believe it. Everybody, go and wish Nova a happy birthday. Oh, when does this what? come out? Uh, it's coming out this week. So yeah. Is it? Yeah, I'll have to give it a listen. But <laughs> revisiting Sailor Moon, learning about the source material being a manga, learning about the changes that are made in the dub. This was, I think, it the first 
manga or the first anime was released all the way back in 92, 93s, very, very early 90s. It was very, very pioneering in LGBT representation because two of the Sailor Scouts in later seasons were lesbian lovers. Did you know that? Not not when we were watching because that got censored mm. in the dub. They became of course, cousins. Yeah. <gasps> not cousins. They became cousins. cousins. But they were of course. It's, it's very lesbians in the Victorian yeah. era being like, and then they they were just friends and had yeah. a cat and lived on the Yorkshire and they coast. Were roommates. There was a group of superheroes towards the later seasons that when they turned into their alter egos, swapped gender. Good lord. Which is also a big deal. They mm. I think they were men and then they suddenly had these big tits when they were in their superhero costumes so that also was quite very a you that there very was a you. villain in the first season that was very very effeminate i think had a few words flirting with their like villain counterparts but because he looked like a woman he had long hair and a ponytail they just swapped his gender in the dub and suddenly he was oh a woman my god really it was just easier That's to explain nuts because he was so effeminate, very, very soft, slim, long, gorgeous hair, big, fluttery eyes. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also interesting because it makes you think, like, on some subconscious level, was I aware that there were these undertones, even though they've been an attempt to censor it out? Was that mindset... Did that still oh, come you across? just like the pretty or... colours. But it's a lot. No, bullshit. Not all kids like... Like, all kids like pretty colours. There are enough people that have gravitated towards this shit and then been like... Like, yes. how many straight boys are like, I loved Sailor Moon and I watched Sailor Moon? Like, but... I don't know any. No. No, 100%. No, I, said, I don't know any straight it. boys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any. Do you know any? I have a brother, unfortunately, so he's my he's my reference point for all the oh, straight yes. culture. It's interesting to know as an adult that it actually was genuinely a queer show. And then they just completely, like, erased it. Well, we still end up having that stuff, like the erasure of, like, queer storylines for children's shows. I think about the Korra Avatar uh, series where she was meant to be written as a lesbian. She was meant to have a relationship with one of the other characters. I did not know that. And it got so the girl that they walk off into like it's not the Feywild, but the the equivalent of like the spirit realm. They walk off hand in hand together, and they were meant to be a full blown couple. And the only That's thing that they so got through. Sad was um, uh, them just holding hands and being best friends. And that was like, what, four or five years ago? Yeah, that's like so that. really How frustrating. Oh, that's depressing, isn't it? Was there, were there any of the... Because there's Sailor Moon and uh, Sailor Mercury, mm-hmm. Sailor Venus. It's all the... Pla- Is Venus, there a Sailor, Sailor Earth? I don't believe there was. I want to say, because I didn't watch the very final season. You, you've got to understand there were maybe like six or seven seasons of this with about 80 episodes in each season. So there Mm -hmm. was a lot of content here. I think perhaps there was... I think Tuxedo Mask was supposed to be the, like, Sailor Earth. Right, got it. But it didn't have the same... I'm sure people listening to this can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't Mm -hmm. think there was ever an official Sailor Earth, but there was a character that kind of had that sort of role. Is there anybody who you particularly identified with? I really just liked Sailor Moon herself, the main character. She had the funnest costume to me. I really liked Sailor Mercury's power because she was kind of water 
she gravitated towards water attacks. Mm-hmm. So my favorite like sequences were normally hers because she had a lot of bubbles and it was just really pretty. She would attack with bubbles and I really enjoyed that. <laughs> were you a Squirtle starter as well in Pokemon? No, always Charmander. Really? Yeah. Well, inconsistent? I know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you're, so multi- you're so multifaceted. But as an adult looking, watching it back maybe five or so years ago and watching the Japanese version, I always liked Sailor Mars the best mm-hmm. because she had a stiletto pump. Um, oh she was just the coolest one. She was the most independent, the most, um, I don't know, I just liked it. She always, she was the hottest one. She got all the boys. Mm-hmm. She was just, yeah, she, she's like my adult favourite character. You wanted all the boys. I didn't at the time. I didn't know I wanted all the boys. I didn't know that. All the boys. Just mincing around. Just mincing around. With your bubbles. (laughs) Did you watch any of the other kind of like similar animes at the time? I'm thinking of Cardcaptor Sakura. I was aware that was a thing. I had a couple of the manga maybe Mm. more towards into my teens, but I don't recall watching the anime. I remember watching Sailor Moon alongside Digimon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed Digimon. Well, I think they one would it on Saturday morning TV, Quite didn't possibly. they? They Quite did. It's, it was the boy program and then what was meant to be the girl program. And you just watched the whole I thing. I think for whatever reason, it's some twisted way, because I, I explained how I never saw Sailor Moon as being like a more girl targeted franchise. I think it's for some way I thought that Cardcaptor Sakura was. I don't know mm-hmm. how that made sense to me in my head, like that that was and Sailor Moon wasn't. But I think that's probably why I didn't give Cardcaptor Sakura a proper go, because I was just like, oh, I'm not going to like a girl show. Mm. I don't know I what love- you're talking about. Really? Did you never? Uh, I like. I remember all of the all of the boy ones as well. So there was like Beyblade, yes, Monster Hunter, that. like all of those were all on around similar times. Were all the same thing of like recycled animations that they just used week to week. But I loved them because they were such. It, like it was, it's still comfort food for me now. If I'm feeling sick, I'll stick on like one of those old, yeah. like early two thousands anime. It's really really nice. And then pretend that you're bending water in the shower. Yes, <laughs> I can't believe you said that out loud. I am. I am not the only person that has that does this. I swear this is actually quite common. Everyone, everyone, raise their hands. No fucking crickets. <laughs> Thank you. When you're wishing Nova a happy birthday, please confirm whether or not you pretend to bend water in the show. <laughs> no, please make sure I'm not alone. Limp, you've got one more thing for us. Go on. I know what this one is, and it's well embarrassing. Well, I've sort of changed it, but I'll bring up I'll oh, bring okay. up that one. Oh, you well, sort of changed it, have this you? This is music. This is this is music now. This is a piece of music. Or it's, is it Avril fucking Veen? No, it's not. Thank God. Don't first of all, don't be so rude, water bender. <laughs> um, so this is this is the, the internationally acclaimed boy band Hanson. <laughs> now hear me the fuck out. <laughs> okay. So. Here we go. Now, Hanson was something of an awakening for me because when they... So the, their first album, Middle of Nowhere, which is a great album, by the way, they it came out and I would have been about six or seven or something like that. And I can remember listening to like Mbop and like Where Is The Love. They were like all over the charts. People were... only two songs I can name you by them. Love. That's that's absolutely fine. I only... Where Is The Love? Wasn't that Black Eyed Peas? Well, they, there's probably a hundred songs called Where Is The Love. Where Is The Love? Oh, that was Nova doing her best impression <laughs> yeah, of singing. Yeah, but you might like, recognise it. Um, so, when they get, so, basically, this speaks to how I feel like, as a kid, 
my world, and I'm sure most of ours, were presented as incredibly binary. Girls mm-hmm. wore skirts, yes. boys had short hair. For me, hair was such a thing when I was a kid. So seeing Hanson on TV, I thought they were girls because they have long mm-hmm. blonde hair. That was mm-hmm. literally the world in which I was presented. If you have long blonde hair, you're a fucking sleeping beauty. You're Barbie. You're a girl, right? Boys don't also have long hair. So young, their voices were quite high. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like listening to them, you wouldn't have really known. Yes, necessarily the done. gender of the person. I feel like, yeah, as a child, you wouldn't. Looking back, Taylor Hansen's voice was very kind of like it would crack quite a lot. So I feel like you, anyway. But that's regardless. Mm-hmm. So somebody told me they were boys, and I failed to believe. I failed to believe that that was a thing, mm-hmm. and this led me on then to. I don't know if you guys remember, like. Do you remember how old you were when you first were, like, attracted to boys? Do you remember that far back? Do you remember what it felt like? I don't remember really, like, explicitly having that until I was, like, 11, 12? Yes. Something like that. But it, well, I didn't know that I was fancying boys. I was more like, I want to hang out with you all of the time. I That's basically turned into is. a creepy stalker. Yeah. And I think I experienced this a little bit earlier than that. And handsome were kind of a thing where I wanted to like, listen to them and watch them. Specifically Taylor Hansen. I had a massive crush on who was, like, the lead singer. But it was this kind of, like, butterfly. He's the middle one, isn't he? He's the middle one, yes. Mm-hmm. I would have, like, butterflies, and I wouldn't know what that was about. And there was a guy in my school mm-hmm. who also had long hair, and I just always wanted to... I felt uneasy Touch around it. him, and I oh. could not... Un- I did. I had an absolutely no idea why. Mm-hmm. I probably mm-hmm. wasn't even really aware of, of what gay was. But I was always wanted to be near this guy with this long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a couple of, of, of boys in my school that I was like that with. There was absolutely no explanation in my mind. I just had like these these butterflies. Mm-hmm. But Hanson did that for me. That was my, I feel like it wasn't necessarily like, like a, a celebrity sexual, crush. Yeah, it wasn't so much mm-hmm. a sexual awakening because that was not on my radar at all if I was like eight years old. But that was the first time I can remember thinking like I am ex- experiencing like this weird feeling mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is and it would come on a bit later on as well with like well Peter Andre that was a sexual awakening <laughs> oh really oh something's happening biologically here that I am enjoying that was Peter Andre <laughs> yes because I would have been 12 I don't still have a thing for Peter Andre it was just like oh muscles that's nice um what's the name there was a couple who were on UK Big Brother she was like Chantel and what was his name? I can't remember oh, his and he name, was but like, he had long oh. blonde hair as well, actually. And I was like, I was obsessed with him. Because he, he looked a bit obsessed. like David Beckham. Was that the idea? And she yes, looked I like think Victoria. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, I don't know what his... Exactly. Oh, was he called Ziggy? I feel like he was called Ziggy. Yes, something like that. A why, really embarrassing why nickname. Where did that come from? I don't know Very embarrassing is. nickname. Um, and he was really sad because he missed his dog all the whole time. Oh, that's cute. And I was obsessed with him. He had like pecs and abs and was very yeah. sexy. Yeah. Um, the other one that I was going to... Well, Nova said she knew what it was and it was really embarrassing. This was another one of those moments, but it was Adam Rickett. Do you remember Adam Rickett? Remind me, I remember that. He was on Coronation Street. He had blonde curtains. He had like ab six pack and he had one single called I Breathe Again, where he was inside like a Perspex box completely naked. It was the gayest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Bright orange, luminous orange skin tones. Oh my God. Yes, I do. He looks like he's drunk too much skinny, sunny D. 
yes. skinny D. And he was literally writhing around, naked as you like, in this box. And the song was... I mean, I really liked the song. And I feel yeah, like... It's just Euro dance At trash. the time, I really... I bought this, so- this single from Woolworths. And I can remember there being some, like... Like, my brother's friend or whatever. And she kind of, like like screwed her face up and she was like oh that's strange I don't think we should like be encouraging this and I had absolutely no idea what people were talking about because I just really liked the song mm-hmm. and I would watch the video like do you remember when CDs would come with a video on it if you put it in the mm. computer and you'd be able yeah, to play yeah, like a 240 yeah, version that. of the the video and I'd sort of sit there and I'd watch it and I wouldn't really kind of like be getting what was happening I just knew <laughs> there was like I enjoy watching it was this, just like, intrigue yeah an intrigue yes which mm. is a it's an uncomfortable feeling to kind of think back to what that was kind of like because you knew something was afoot <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like that with fitness magazines oh, so yeah. I just I just, oh. I definitely bought men's health for the for the articles for the oh. pictures well there's some nice pictures where they are oh, damn those staples tell you, I, was, I was paying such attention to the articles that was the thing and then wandering around MS in the underwear aisle oh and yeah. just okay, well of, now like, you're spending... getting into like creeper territory what the hell is oh. that no, that's, I thought a, we were... that's a very common that's thing. very common because it's just like topless men everywhere uh, isn't you it? would be all the packaging like the wandering around packaging is just like marks and spencers and then bending water in the changing rooms <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sharing far too much about myself here um, G- julia can we have some edits please julia, yeah, julia cut this passed. out god did you end up continuing to follow hansen at all i did for a tiny bit but i feel like because they still tour they famously are still together they and do still, i like, feel like they tour. might be a little sort of christiany in a way that i'm not really that into did they not go on mm. the masked singer they did go on the masked singer they did very well all three of them yes all three of them which was sort of mm. a giveaway i think they were russian dolls i'm sure that was what their mm. thing was i feel like it that i sort of trailed off very early high school so i would have been about 12 13 Mm-hmm. When they had, I don't know what album that would have been, but there was a couple on there. But then it sort of trailed off. And I think that maybe it, was, it wasn't it was really so much the music. I mean, yes, I loved that first album, literally the music. But I think after that, it wasn't really the music that kind of kept me around. <laughs> it was the idea that I was obsessed <laughs> well, with. Well, I, I mean, I think me and Nova were shocked. With Taylor <laughs> Hansen, I was obsessed with him. So by that mm-hmm. point, when you're 13 and you go to an all-boys school, suddenly there's just a, an absolute buffet of... You know, <laughs> don't don't call it a buffet, so please. Oh, you know, please. very distract. Not that you could, but uh, but it was never open. You couldn't touch any of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was, it was a buffet that you could look at and never could, never and never actually Secret dive in. Buffet, and nobody could know. I mean, obviously everybody did, but you just sit there and just be like, oh my god, what do I do? There's water everywhere, not a drop to drink. <laughs> Big problems. Moving swiftly on, Nova. Yeah. What's your last thing? So this is my Disney contribution. Okay, well, let's be quick about it then. Come on. This is probably the the most formative, the the biggest one that I can remember. Because I distinctly remember revisiting it as an adult and being like, oh, like never, never, ever considering the influence this had on my life until Mm. I rewatched it as an adult. This is the Roger and Hammerstein's production of Cinderella, which starred Whitney Houston and Brandy... Whoopi People Goldberg. can't see Jazz's face right now, but it's how we all feel. It is. So, <laughs> I, ju- I have no idea what this is. Roger and Hammerstein are a Broadway duo. They've done loads of different shows. I cannot name you any of them. But they have... Um, <laughs> Very this, successful. This production of Cinderella has been around since maybe like the 60s or something. But they did a movie adaptation for Disney Channel. 
And it was a, a really big deal at the time because of its massive cast. It had Whitney Houston at the top of her game, Brandy, who had just come off of like Moesha mm-hmm. and stuff. Whoopi Goldberg as well, who was massive. And it was a musical, so they were all singing and lending their voices. But it was also a colourblind cast. Mm -hmm. So it was very, very racially diverse. The prince was Asian somewhere, maybe Thai or Mm -hmm. something, I can't remember. But Whoopi Goldberg played his mother. And then who was the actor that played his father? I think it was, was it Victor Garber? Yes, yes, um, played his father. And then Brandy had Bernadette Peters as her uh, wicked stepmother. It's so camp. And Bernadette Peters mm. has a white and a black child. So the, the race is all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I just remember now thinking how beautiful the prince was. Absolutely gorgeous, oh, yeah, he was fine. gorgeous man. Paolo Montalban. He was fine. He was fine. He's oh, beautiful. shit. Yeah, he's fine. That sounds like a Filipino name. It does, doesn't it, actually? Perhaps he's Filipino. Is a Filipino-American actor and singer best known for his performances in the 1997 Disney television film Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella as Prince So I would have been five. It was garbage. (laughs) (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, the overall aesthetic of the film... As an adult, I can see they their their mood boards for the sets and the feel of the and the costumes definitely had several pictures, uh, several pieces of artwork by Gustav Klimt. There was a lot of gold. There was a lot of texture. There was a lot of like the the same patterns and um, the feeling that he has in his artwork was always in there. I love. There was a lot of purples and blues in the costumes that I just absolutely adored. Well, actually, no, you're saying that Nova has a lot of purples and blues and like exactly. that kind of exactly like, color color board, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm. I think it's also why I part of the reason why I am such a huge fan of Whitney Houston because her music was all the way through it and her mm-hmm. dress as well. Obviously, so this great. is the thing she's most famous for. Exactly. <laughs> it all went downhill for her after this. But her outfit as well as the fairy godmother is this gold, like... Oh, I've definitely seen this. And these long yeah. sleeves. And there's all these spirals over it. And, and again, like, that was just so... Mm. Oh, it was just so shiny to me. So shiny and sparkly. And the music was so great. And this was definitely a big, big the, deal to The me finest well. part of this movie, the finest, finest is when Cinderella, the clock strikes 12, Cinderella runs away just after falling in love with the prince mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and le- leaves Slipper behind. And after Brandy has run away, the prince then spends his time testing the shoe on a bunch of white women, which I love that. Yes. But, was it true, love? Yes. Yeah, so if he couldn't remember her, the shoe was Brandy? testing every eligible lady in the village. Like, he, All of he, them. You can't remember that she was black. I see, I don't that's think that's true so love. That's so funny. I don't think that's so true funny. love. That's so great. It's because, it's because he didn't see colour. I mean, obviously that is the point of the it's movie. A bit, it's a bit heavy-handed, but I don't remember as a anybody kid, ever like, doing that before. And I never questioned it. I never questioned it as a child. Mm. So, so that's good. That is good, Ben. That is good, Ben. I never thought, oh, black and white makes brown. I never never considered that with the, with the prints. Mm. Right, so was it, was it for you more like the aesthetic? It was a combination of everything. I think it's the earliest And like the music, obviously you like still love music and the singing and all those kinds of things. But it is the earliest memory I can think of where I had what I would call an attraction to a man. 
Obviously, oh, with I this, the I prince did it then, but that is the early. Mm. If I really think about it, that is what that was. Just say it's a, it's an ad- five. It's an oh, that is early. Yeah, so you, you're probably the fruitiest of the three of us. Then <laughs> did you say it's an adaptation of a theatre production? It's a Broadway show. Well, so all it the music, makes sense. They actually added a couple of songs not from the original Cinderella show, but from other Roger and Hammerstein shows that just fitted into the movie. I can't remember which one. I find it interesting then that you're not more of a fan of musical theatre, if that was so formative for you. Yeah. I like a lot of musical theatre. Looking back, it makes absolute sense that it's like theatre. It's just absolutely dripping in it. I like a lot of musical theatre, but that is a whole other world. Like, I feel like it's very difficult to just dip your toe into that. Either you're kind of in that world or you're not. I feel like if you're Mm going to watch a movie... Yeah, it's a lifestyle choice. If you're going to watch a movie as a five-year-old with Bernadette Peters in it, and that's formative for you, then you're going to be gay. Her costume. Bernadette Peters. She is in. Bernadette Peters <laughs> has her hair all on top of her head, and she's got some kind of like ribbon or something in her hair. And she has this most ridiculous emerald green gown to the ground. It's like a hoop skirt situation, and it's got like this magenta ruffle around it. It is fantastic. It is so ghastly, but it's fantastic. <laughs> all of the costumes are like this. They're such rich royal colours mm-hmm. and everything is so pushed to the limit with unnecessary embellishments <laughs> and patterns. It is such mm. a strong aesthetic. Imagine to this Nova being at a sleepover and she's like a little kid and, you know, boys would just hang out at that age. They hadn't got to the point yet where they started bullying each other. And Nova's like, oh, let's put on this movie. There's a gorgeous magenta ruffle. Now you see... <laughs> Uh, all my friends yes I can, I can 100% imagine that the boys would be like okay we, I'm going to get my mum to come and get me because this is some gay shit I'm not into a magenta ruffle I'm so embarrassed for you <laughs> yeah. well speaking of magenta ruffles high class pomp and circumstance and royalty I think I'm going to go back to trying to find our queen um, but thank you so much the two of you oh my god <laughs> thank you Don't so much the two the of you for stepping ruffle. in <laughs> thank you for, thank you for having us it's been an absolute pleasure. You've been so lovely. Where can people find you? Yeah, no, I've had a nice time, actually. Um, where can people find you on the internet and what can they expect? They can find us at the local Waitrose, can't they? Picking out nice <laughs> nice artisanal breads. Um, Waitrose? You have gone up in the no, world. No, we don't. Waitrose is so shit. It's so... I can't stand it. They can find us at youtube.com forward slash Novimpia. It's or N-O-V-Y-M-P-I-A. Novimpia.com and you can find all of our social media in a nice little tab on our website. Oh, like a link tree, is it? It's just a website. Do we have Novimpia.com? I didn't know that. We do have Novimpia.com. Oh my God, I've got a website. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we know who does the admin in this relationship. (laughs) Yes, I bring the charisma. (laughs) And the nerve. (laughs) Yeah, not very much else. Thank you uh, so much for listening, everybody. If you have enjoyed these episodes, then please do consider supporting us on patreon we have finished with all of the personalized film recommendations but we still do our monthly watch alongs and you can join our discord for as little as five pounds a month it's a lovely good old queer time make sure you're subscribed and you're following the podcast i have been jessa john joined by nova and olympia say goodbye girls bye Bye, girls make sure (laughs) very funny make sure you check them out we are edited by Julia Shafini. Thanks, Jules. And are part of Multitude. For more of their amazing stuff, go to multitude.productions. Thank you so much, my Dolens. You'll hear from us very soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>